No budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. If you got just a little money but a whole lot of heart, Doug and Mo will sit back and watch your art. It's their duty just doing their part. Now let's hear if they recommend it or not. Uh, no budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No budget nightmares. Budget nightmares, Mo porn and Doug Tilly. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bath film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly. Bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. There we go. Yes, indeed. Back again. Look who's back. Back in black. Back. There you go. I was going to go Eminem. You win ACDC. <laughs> I think you win this round, Mo Porn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have returned. Uh, I think this is our triumphant return on uh, on No Budget Nightmares podcast. Uh, it's been a uh, long, strange trip since our last episode, which covered... <laughs> I mean, I think our last episode was one of our best, certainly best of recent memory. I agree. Uh, yeah, and, and it was a lot of fun. And it, You know what made the difference, Mo, and I, if I could be so bold? I think it was because we were covering a movie that had a lot of fun elements and was a good movie. Right. And I know that some people think that... Why, why, uh, I was gonna say, why don't you remind the, uh, the people at home what we, uh, what we covered last time? Uh, l- last time was Truth or Dare... A Critical Madness by Tim Ritter. <laughs> yeah, I like how you said that. Like, it was a question. Well, were, it is a question, isn't were you, it? Were you asking me? Because, yes, that's what we covered last. Truth or dare? Truth or dare? Uh, yeah, we did cover Tim Ritter's A Truth or Dare, Critical Madness, and Tim was good enough to uh, not only listen to the episode, but give us some really nice feedback. And so did Joel Weinkoop, uh, who, uh, who, of course, is a well, legend. I, I was going to say, I missed all of that. <laughs> well, I did try to send all that to you, Mo, but I guess you're too busy with your job uh, yeah, I got to, uh, <laughs> real work i got <laughs> to, dildos to sell to pay attention to our uh temporary minor fame <laughs> mm-hmm. no but people really did seem to enjoy that episode Good. and it really you know it made a difference that it was fun we were having fun everyone was having fun 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 and i want to remind the listener of fun because today's episode <laughs> is, is devoid of it. <laughs> now, uh, those who did listen to the previous episode on Truth or Dare uh, will know that we chose somewhat randomly a film that uh, we, meaning not just Mo, but also you, the listener, could all share in together. Uh, because some of you may recall that Chemical Burn Entertainment, which is a releasing company that distributes low-budget movies, they have been uh, recently... <laughs> Sort of putting movies, full movies, up on their YouTube channel. So we mm. thought it would be fun to pick one of those ones we didn't know, one we didn't know very much about, and then have uh, have it available so everyone could watch it, and then we could then discuss it on this show. Pretty fun experiment, don't you think? No. No. Well, theoretically, yes. Theoretically, but- yes. Let's put it this way: if we had gone with our original choice, <laughs> which the public hadn't heard about, and we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll keep to ourselves for now. Yes. I'm just going to leave the the idea that if we had gone with our original choice, this would have been a great episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> this will still be a great episode. They're all great episodes. It's just terrible movies. <laughs> the thing is, Chemical Burn will release just about anything. Everything, uh, yeah. And they release a bunch of like really sh- like they release a bunch of like UFO documentaries and a- all these weird supernatural nonsense movies. But they also release every once in a while you get one that's good, right? And it's right in our wheelhouse. Well, yeah, so- we got you know. I mean, they're the company that brought us Order of One. So I mean, exactly, exactly. So you don't know what you're gonna get, right? Right. It's like it's like a, a box of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> I hear life is like that. <laughs> nope. No. Uh, Life's like that. That's a Reader's Digest. Um, life, life cereal? Yeah. Wow. What tangent are we going off on? Who cares? Uh, we chose to watch. In fact, let me pull it up so I'll have the full title. Um, <laughs> we chose 2010's Tales of the Dead, a.k.a. Tales of the Dead, scary-ass stories make your skin crawl and give you nightmares, according to the Chemical Burn YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Scary ass stories, not that will make you. It's scary ass stories make your skin crawl and give you nightmares. Oh yeah. So we thought, I mean, even from that description, it's called Tales of the Dead. I think we went in there expecting uh, an anthology film, uh, a collection of shorts. Uh, I even knew going into it that it was uh, made in the UK. Home of John Cross. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it, that kind of had to bump up the respectability level a little bit, right? Because we certainly have never covered a film from the UK on this program. That's that true. We haven't. No, that it's actually, you're wrong. No, that's right. We have. Oh, my God. One of our worst ones, too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the Summer of the Massacre. Yeah, I remember uh, <laughs> Was covered on this very program. And uh, you may recall, Mo, yeah. that we didn't much care for it. I do recall de- uh, declaring it the second worst film we had seen at the time. What's great about this episode, Mo, is that at the end of it, we will revisit our list. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, will be revisiting <laughs> that list. Uh, 2010's Tales of the Dead is a collection of, uh, really it's a collection of short films with a uh, kind of a surrounding story. Uh, these films were directed by Kamal Yildirim. I apologize if I've mispronounced your name, but you've caused me pain, so let's even things out here. <laughs> um, can, I, can I read the plot summary on IMDb for this, written by the director? Uh, usually I would say that's a little gosh. But... It, is, it is a little gosh, but I love this. I, I, uh, I kind of love it because it's so wrong. And, it's, and because it's written by the director. It says, five, fr- five friends gather on Halloween to continue their ritual of telling horror stories, each one telling a more sinister tale than the next, unaware of the horror that awaits them uh, on this All Hallows' Eve. <laughs> a, f- <laughs> a film from award-winning director Kamal Yildirim. <sighs> That, I mean, like, I mean, I don't know if he's award-winning or not. If he is, they should take him back. But, uh, but I mean, there's nothing sinister about any of these stories. I mean, I don't want to dive too far ahead. I do. Uh, let's, uh, let's, okay, let's, let's jump. Do let's jump right to number four. It no, ends with all of them being killed. Yeah, basically. <laughs> the end. The end. Uh, no, the thing that we will uh, keep coming back to in regards to Tales of the Dead, is that all of these individual short films, and all of them were shot before th- the, the surrounding bits, by the way. They're all actual short films that have kind of been collected together here. Yeah. Uh, they all have absolutely fucking terrible endings. Yeah. 
because they just end. Or, or as you say, or in some cases, no endings. Yeah, well, I'm really, all of them have no ending, but yeah. they, they, it feels like, and, and I'm probably going to be a little more sympathetic to this movie than you are, Mo, because you seem very angry today. <laughs> 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 but, but I can say that uh, when I got to the end of each one of these segments, I, I, I just had this kind of puzzled look on my face. I was pretty baffled, yeah. And I'm not angry. I'm not angry at all. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually in a really good mood. But uh, yeah, no, this this movie is just not good. I think I just mistook you for angry because I'm, you're from I, you know, States. yeah, that's what, that's how it is. We're loud, boisterous. We always sound angry. <laughs> and, and, I mean, and you're Canadian, so you always sound sympathetic and sorry. So it makes sense. I am sorry. <laughs> 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 so uh, both of us, you and myself, Mo, did watch Tales of the Dead, and both of us had a, we already know we had a fairly similar reaction yeah. to it. Uh, and I want to warn, because remember, remember that fun time we had last episode? Yeah. I want to warn you <laughs> that there isn't much fun there isn't much fun to talk about in this movie. Even the sound clips don't sound much fun. They're because not. I think it's probably because of that those accents, those British accents, which are so uh, distasteful. Well, you, and- know, <laughs> you know, the best thing about the accents in this is like, and I had mentioned this before we started recording, is that everybody in this sounds like they're straight out of Attack the Block. You know, it's not, there's, they're, 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 you know, there's not like that sort of like high class British accent, you know, that some oh. Brits tend to have. These are very sort of chav, you know, accents and, and, and they're, they're a little off-putting and, and and don't they don't really scream like intellect? Oh my! You are offending our European. Look, uh, I'm not saying that these people are stupid. I'm just saying they sound stupid. It's uh, he. I, I I was gonna try to make like a reference to an area of the UK. Like I knew what like what accent sounded like. <laughs> they do sound, um, not like upper class. Which I'm yeah. not trying to say that they were low class. No, what no I mean we're is, just saying it's not. It's not like. It's not posh. It's not a posh nope, sound. Not posh. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. But that's okay. No, it's fine. I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem it with the accents. It sounds like you have a problem with them, Mo. No. It sounds like you think these people are not worth <laughs> listening to. They're not. Because of their shitty accents. No, they're not worth listening to because it's a shitty fucking movie. It has nothing to do with the accents. Let's make something clear. We both like Attack the Block. Yeah, I was gonna say I fucking loved Attack the Block. <laughs> <laughs> and they have the exact same accents, and I'm okay so, with that. If anything, this movie had uh, a better chance of getting a right? positive reaction from us because it made us think of a movie we already liked going right. into. Right, exactly. I will say that I went into this movie with zero expectations. Yeah, and when none. I say that, I don't mean any expectation of it being bad or good. I was going to take it exactly as it was. Yeah, uh, me too. I mean, the, because we did, there was, it would be hard to have preconceived notions when you have no experience with this director or actors because really it's just... <laughs> the director and actor are the same, yeah. uh, and then it's some family members and friends that are the rest of the cast. Um, this is not a good movie, so uh, I'll see you all next time on No Budget Nightmares. <laughs> 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 uh, but we are going to cover it in some detail, but I do apologize if some of it... We're going we're gonna to perk things up. We're going to talk about it in a way that makes it sound more interesting than it possibly is. I also was bothered by the fact that I found the the segment that was most interesting came first, and I it, it all seemed worse after that. Yeah. Hey, Mo, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm in a good mood too, Mo. <laughs> all right, let's talk about this movie. Yeah. <clears throat> we. I mean, by the way, everybody, 
pop on your your uh, YouTube copy of Tales of the Dead and watch it while we're talking about it. Real time commentary. When I was a teenager and I was getting really into horror movies, uh, I was really kind of fascinated by movies that were very referential to the kind of movies I was already enjoying. Oh, you uh, <laughs> no, but, I, but specifically, I'm thinking of movies like Night of the Creeps and mm -hmm. The Dead Next Door, where they named characters after horror movie directors. Right, right. That was a habit that in 1985 to 87, to me, that seemed kind of interesting. It's like we were all part of a secret club, right? Because there was no way to reach out at that time. Right, exactly. So it's like if you watched a movie where there was a character named George... And you, oh. you know, and you knew that the character was named after Romero. You're like, ooh, <laughs> that's a pretty weird example because there's lots of movies with characters. No, nah, but but no, come on, you know what I'm talking about. If you're watching yeah, a fucking like, if you're watching a zombie film and there's a character named George, you exactly. Know. But yeah, and this this one in particular though has has some some homage type names. Including a character named George. Including a character named George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I realized that after I said that. I'm like, oh, wait, this one has a character named George. <laughs> but there's also characters named Lucio. Yeah, hmm. right. Or uh, Officer Argento. <laughs> huh. I wonder where you yeah. got that one from. So uh, in the modern age, as what, that's what I'll call what we're in right now, uh, they're, uh, that's not as cute to me anymore. In fact, I find it very irritating. <laughs> yeah, it's a little... On the nose, I would say. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it's, I, it's all in good fun. I'm just trying to give sort of an example of the kind of territory we're running in here, which is that it's very obvious. There's no, there's no surprises in what we're about to tell you. Right. So Actually, there's, that, huge, there's huge surprises in what we're about to tell you in that, in that despite the characters being named after that, they, there's nothing in regards to it. It's all stupid. <laughs> That's true. Dumb, uh, stupid movie. Don't ever contradict me, Mo, Sorry. but you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're right. There are surprises in that the movie doesn't actually – well, it, it does. And, and we'll talk about how, how it tries to do some tributes but doesn't really succeed. But fuck all that. Right. Let's talk about the movie, man. It's all about the movie, man. <laughs> you changed, man. It used to yeah. be about the movies. It used to be about the movies. So the movie starts with Chemical Burn Entertainment. And you know it's Chemical <laughs> Burn Entertainment because their logo explodes into Adobe After Effects. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I've po I posted the link to this movie a couple of times over the last couple of days. And that was the exact comment I had on one of them. Like, wow, look at that After Effects. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the framing stories in anthology films are almost always not that great they're universally bad i'm not going to say universally but I'm because going I, to. they're almost I, always terrible well mo all right well, well fine we'll not universally say universally does not mean most of the time all right fine and i the reason i say that is because i recently saw the um uh, the film asylum Ooh. for the first time in quite a while and the framing story in that is actually better than any of the actual individual <laughs> stories. And the individual stories are really good. It's a great movie. But I, I, that's, I only wanted to bring that up to, uh, to serve as a counterpoint to the framing story in this movie. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of a vague – I mean, it's, it's a bunch of friends getting together on Halloween. Apparently, it's a yearly tradition for them to get together. And each one of them are going to bring a movie to watch. And they're going to smoke a hookah. They're going to yeah. smoke that hookah. Yeah. Have you ever smoked a hookah before? I have actually. How was that? It's not bad, you know. You get the nice, like the fruit flavor ones, and it's mm -hmm. it's it's a nice little experience. 
Okay. Well, I'm envious of their hookah smoking. They, uh, th- there is something odd that's going on during the yearly tradition of this year in that there is a serial killer on the loose. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when t- you, you discover this very early on. <laughs> Like there's a they show a computer with an article about the psycho killer being on the loose. When you see that in the first like three minutes of the movie, you already know how this whole thing's going to end. Yeah, basically. Um, we do get a quick shot of some uh, of like a monster hand outside, and then there's a knock on the door, and then there's some footage of people outdoors, which is so dark you can't see what the fuck is going on. Uh, yeah, that's 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 an ongoing theme in this too. Mm. You know, it reminds me of that Turbo Negro song. Are you ready for some darkness? Yes, let's hear it. <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> okay, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't bring up a song if you're not prepared to play a, a clip. I, you know uh, what? I can say things off the head, you know, off my off the dome. I don't need to. Uh, I was, let's, I wasn't... Hear something, let's hear something off the head. Oh, just fucking continue. <laughs> bah, boom. Uh, so so what, ha- what happens is that uh, we have the director, Kamal, and he is dressed as a vampire. That would be correct? Sure. Sure. He's setting up this party atmosphere. He's got it all set up. He's got the television. He's got the hookah. He's got the snacks. He's listening to hear about all this serial killer nonsense that's going on. And he gets spooked by people outside who are knocking on his door. Yeah, it's kind of funny that he would that he would get so frightened by people knocking on his door on Halloween. I would suggest to you, Mo. That the problem with uh, with Kamal, the director, is that he gets frightened way too easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the, the common theme throughout this movie is him talking about how scary something is, only for it to be shown to be not scary at all. At all. Yeah. Uh, even, I mean, of course, we're desensitized because we're old, stupid lummoxes who've watched way too many horror movies. But I would say I could show this film to my uh, mother. Uh, who watches no horror movies, yep. and she would say, well, this seems kind of lame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True, that would, that's a direct quote if she was to see it. Last, last night, I was, well, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was planning on starting the film, uh, and Christine had fallen asleep on the couch, and I was going to wake her up to have her go to bed, but I started watching the movie, and I'm like, there's nothing scary about this at all. If she wakes up, she will not be concerned whatsoever. <laughs> Because she she doesn't like horror films, she gets you know they frighten her. So <laughs> so I was worried about putting on a horror film on the television while she was out here, and that wasn't an issue. Not what's interesting? What's interesting about your relationship, Mo, is that Christine doesn't like horror movies because they're scary. They're kind of unpleasant. If you don't like to be scared, right, right? It's unpleasant. Right. My my wife doesn't like horror movies because she thinks they're fucking stupid and <laughs> only fucking idiots watch them. Well, uh, well they're they're both right. Yeah, they are. So luckily, we are unscarable idiots. I am an unscarable idiot. Yeah, that, that's we'll get shirts with that put on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a knock on the door. Uh, <laughs> Lucio, <laughs> which is the director's name in this mo- movie, uh, he answers it. He gets scared at first, but it's really just his friends. They're just playing a little game with him, making some noise outside his house, you know, because he is expecting them. It's seriously. It's like the. It's like the. Half of the things that scare him in this that scare him in this movie are like a flashlight being waved at a door. Yeah, you know? it's like Whoa, what's that? <laughs> Jumps out of his skin again. Actually, there's a really good example that happens right at the beginning of the movie of the kind of lame shit that seems to freak them out, yeah. which is that they have a friend 
whose name is Ruggero, yeah. or Ruggero, I guess they call him in this movie, uh, obviously named after Diodato, the cannibal Holocaust director, they don't know where he is. They hear a sound outside and they think it's him. Yeah, there's a loud then, knocking outside. That's right. And, and they're then, like, that must be him. Yeah, that but, must be our friend. But then they get a call on their cellular telephone and they answer it and it's him. I believe they call it phone. I believe they'd call it a mobile over, mobile in, Mo- uh, over in that were, that area. Then they got in a lift and they they went and they the went to their the flat. Lorry. Yeah. The, the lorry and had some petrol. They exactly. drank some petrol. Exactly. Uh, and they went back to their <laughs> flat and had some chips. So uh, Ruggiero uh, phones them and says that he's still at his mother's. And they're like, oh, shit. There must be something outside, something really scary. But <laughs> oi, guess what it really is? Oi, bruv. Met my mom's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's him. It's him. It's him. He was just fucking around. because Yeah, he like you're... shines He shines a light on the door. And it's and the guy's like... And, and, and then Lucio, who is uh, not only the, the most easily frightened person in the world, but also the one with the least amount of common sense, he does the exact opposite of what you should do in a situation like that. He... Opens the door and sticks his entire body out and looks outside. And then he gets frightened when... Then, uh, when yeah. Uh, he also seems to believe that when someone tells you something on a mobile telephone, that they have to be telling you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, bro, I'm at my mom's. Bro, bro. he says he's at his mom's. <laughs> but who could that be outside then? I like how oh, we're all gosh. turning... How are we turning into like like... Irishman and fucking like, or no, that's like Manchester and fucking Liverpudlian. <laughs> <laughs> well, these are the four lovable lads from Liverpool. Holy bro. Uh, oh, there is a one woman here, Isabella, played by the director's sister, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the, just <laughs> we should probably tell you how many people are sitting in this kind of collection. There is five there's Lucio, there's Isabella, there's Ruggero, there's Juan, and there's George. Yep. Okay. That's not that important. But it's it's good to have a sense of what we're what we're dealing with. Each one of them is going to tell a story, and that story. It, well, actually, they're not going to tell a story. They're going to present a DVD. Well, that's, yeah, case, I was going to say that's the setup for the anthology. Is that each one of them is presenting a DVD with a score with a story that's supposed to be scarier than the other ones. Right. They're they're kind of out trying to outdo one another. Uh, and they actually kind of give something away right at the beginning. George says that he has a VHS tape that is like super scary and it was found in an attic and all this horse shit. Uh, and, and they also try to set up like kind of the spooky legends where he talks about there's a local legend that if you hear a little girl crying on Halloween, it's supposed to foretell your death. You know, a bunch of bullshit. But the kind Basically. of stuff that people do on, on Halloween. They also talk about pl- the weirdest places they all had sex, which would be a lot more amusing if it was them actually saying that as opposed to them just reading lines that have been written about that. <laughs> maybe it's true. Maybe the shit, one of them, maybe uh, Ruggero really did fuck his girlfriend at KFC and maybe Isabella did uh, fuck someone in a library, but it's not that interesting. Right. I mean, I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. Did you really? No, that's a Digital Underground song. Oh, I, I didn't know. I feel like <laughs> I feel like when I miss out on a reference like that. <laughs> well, well, one day we'll have a we'll have an episode where we talk about the uh, most interesting place we've ever made whoopee. Nah, nah. So then we get to the first story. By the way, uh, Ruggero uh, is a real asshole uh, because he introduces the story, which is his, the first one. He introduces it saying, "This tells a story about some fucked up bitch that doesn't feel complete, so she has to lose part of her body to feel complete." 
Yeah, so they could have just skipped it because that's the entire movie. Yeah, it, it gives it away to such an extent that the whole like first half of the movie is completely useless after you hear that. Yeah, basically. So the first segment is called Less Is More. Yeah, I hated it. Yeah, you hated it. I thought it was the best of the movie. It is. The- no, and- it's not. I didn't think it was. I, I, I thought I, It's the second best to me, but I, I, when we get to the one that I liked the most, I'll explain why. No, I refuse. All right, I'm fine. not going to continue until you agree Shut with me. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's one of the better ones, but it's still a pile of shit. It, it, is... comes, it comes with an interesting concept because it's based on a real condition, which is that there are people in this world right. who, who feel like, uh, who feel like they would feel more complete, I guess, to use the, the parlance, mm. uh, if they were to be missing a limb. So they right. want basically a, a limb removed, and that is going to make them feel like a more complete person. Right. It's like a certain type of body dysmorphic disorder. That's exactly yeah. right. That, that's a way better way of putting it than yeah. what I just fucking said. <laughs> uh, so I, I picture the director reading an article about this and saying, this would make a good short horror movie. And he's right. It would. Right. In this uh in this film, uh we have May Walker. She is a woman. I who... should I I want to I want to point out though at the beginning of this we uh, at this short film, we we get uh the the first of many credit scenes. Mhm. Every single one of these films has a credit sequence. Okay? This... And every o- opening and closing. Yeah, opening and closing. And every single one of these credit sequences has the director's name listed a dozen times. And normally that's fine, you know. But in this particular case, since the since everybody knows who this guy is, you know, and, like, he's the guy who's making the film. Like, I mean, maybe just for the sake of, like, you know, giving us something else to look at, you should have just come up with some other names, I did say that opening and closing, but that's not strictly true. That we don't get not closing credits until till the end. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what we're really watching here are just his earlier short films. No, and I, and I get and I get that, but it's but it, I mean, like as as somebody who has done a lot of editing work himself, I know for a fact it's not that hard to toss some new titles onto a you know onto a film. It's it's really I mean it's just a matter of swapping out text and like mm-hmm. he and he really could have I mean. Because really, by the time the fourth film rolls around, you know, you get so sick of looking at the same names over and over and over again that you just like kind of like you want to go like, all right, can we be done with this already? Yeah, no, yeah. I agree 100 percent. Now, this uh, this particular film starts with actually it starts with a, a quick sequence of this woman laying down. We hear sighing noises and yeah, we're this- getting the, we're getting the impression that she's having a limb removed. Yeah. I guess. And the story's sort of told in retrospect. Right. Yeah. I mean, really <laughs> bad retrospect, but I mean, but it's told, you know, I mean, we see the end first. We, we then see her looking into like a window and she starts, uh, she's outside and she's staring at this gentleman who's missing a leg. He's in a wheelchair. Uh, and he has a, he does not appreciate being stared at. Sing some freak or something. What are you looking at? Eh? Wake up! I'm not a fucking freak! Come on, let's go out of here. Let's go out. I'm not a freak, you! Let's go. Idiot! <laughs> Idiot! <laughs> I'm not a freak, you! I'm not a freak! Uh, Idiot! 
So uh, May, uh, the lead character here, she we. We don't really know at first what she wants to do, even though it's been spoiled for us already. We understand that her, and I guess it's, her, well, it's her husband. We don't know that yet. Um, ha- they have a very estranged relationship based around this difficulty that she's having. Right. Uh, and she has been talking to a doctor, uh, but the doctors are very hesitant to do unnecessary surgery, which is a good thing. I was going to say, most doctors are not willing to do um, cosmetic amputations. Yes, exactly. And I mean, she doesn't just want like a finger removed. She wants her whole fucking arm and leg, I think, removed. Yeah, she wants an arm and a leg removed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so she'd give an arm and a leg to, <laughs> to, to, have, have, her, to have her arm and leg removed. <laughs> um, you know, the, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I thought the setup to this was actually pretty well done. It's a shame that we already knew what was what was we were headed for. Right. Exactly. But, if you look at the short film by itself forgetting the huge spoiler that happened five seconds before the film started it's not bad at least up to the point where she goes to see a doctor the doctor's very reasonable she she says that she should look into psychotherapy uh and she says that she sees a monster when she looks back at at the mirror so you know at that point it seems like it's sort of a character study but then the supernatural or the semi uh horror movie elements get into things and as that happens it gets worse and worse yeah because you start seeing like weird shots of um, i don't know if it's supposed to be her or if it's supposed to be some just some random woman but like I, I i i don't know i couldn't tell was that supposed to be her like when she was like hallucinating about a woman like stabbing her stabbing herself in the leg was that supposed to be the woman i think it's i think it's supposed to be her because otherwise uh, it really doesn't make any sense because she had very right? different hair so i didn't know <laughs> you know i didn't know if it was supposed to be her or not but yeah it's basically it's like you know she's fantasizing or like you know, hallucinating about someone stabbing themselves in the leg or whatever. I don't know. The whole thing is idiotic. <laughs> People, when you watch this, and I'm talking to you, the listeners, if you watch this, the ending of this is so fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to get there, like, really soon. So what happens is she's out walking home in the dark, uh, coming up back, I think, from that doctor's visit, and she runs into a man. She bumps against She literally him, bumps into somebody, yeah. And he, he gives her a card from a Dr. Albion, who, uh, who it says on it, I understand, I will perform the surgery you desire. So she's found a doctor, some sort of spooky doctor, who's going to cut off her arm and her leg. <laughs> uh, like, like I said, the, the relationship between the woman and her husband, that stuff is interesting, and it does, like there's another sequence now where the husband's like, um, he's been paying her rent, and he's really trying to connect with her, but, uh, but he's been waiting five years. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I don't have that kind of patience. I'd be like, you know what? Uh, I'm done paying your rent. <laughs> I'm out. So they're eating dinner together, and she's like, she seems relaxed, I guess, because she knows she's going to get her shit lopped off. Yeah, she's and, all uh, super excited. But when, uh, when he, she talks to him about, you know, that this will make her feel more complete, uh, he, he, gets upset he leaves and he tosses her some divorce papers which is funny because like i mean so so he was intending on divorcing her the whole evening yeah and but he still sat down he still ate dinner with her he still like laughed with her and like drank with her and it's like why would you do that to yourself or to the i mean to the other person i don't i don't maybe i I don't know I like to think he's been carrying around those papers for months and he's just like, this was like the breaking point because he's even, he's even written on the papers. I'm sorry. I'm a coward. Or in the American terms, I'm sorry. I'm a coward. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, And so, you know, 
she does elect to get the surgery. She of goes course. to this dark office at night and knocks on the door and then it cuts to the beginning part again where we hear the sighing sounds uh, we see that she's had her arm cut off and her legs being cut off and she looks very happy <laughs> I yeah. mean it doesn't doesn't appear to be any anesthetic. She just she, they're just sawing her fucking limbs off. <laughs> I, uh, I I wrote down uh, yeah. So we're back to her lying there. She's uh, having bits removed. <laughs> then I wrote this is stupid. <laughs> well, it's about to get a whole lot more stupid because <sighs> she thanks the doctor. I guess in this case because well, I love doctor. I love yeah. Like he he like cut finishes cutting off her leg and then he picks it up and like shows it to her it's like yeah you know it's like he's like presenting her with a newborn it's like here's your leg <laughs> and so she thanks him and then he moves to cut off her head and that's the, that's the end of it. there's the fake end what what the fuck is the point of that yeah. what by the way at the end of this like at the very end uh of the entire movie in the closing credits it talks about how this is a very real condition and people who have this condition deserve our sympathy right because it is a psychological absolutely condition. absolutely uh, i agree so the, but because they put that in the closing credits it suggests that we want to show sympathy to these people uh that this is supposed to be a fairly serious examination of this condition but this ends with a woman going to a doctor <laughs> who saws her leg and arm yeah, off and go, then saws her head off yeah going to a black market doctor who cuts an arm and a leg off while she's still alive and then kills her i mean it's a cautionary tale really oh yeah sure sure it's a morality <laughs> play I think it's a commentary on uh, healthcare, uh, free healthcare in the UK. Of course, I agree. I agree because mm -hmm. because if if the doctors had agreed to this, she still would have been waiting, you know, three years before she could see a doctor for it. Story number two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't. So, you, didn't you didn't let me get my uh, my right wing America joke out there, but that's okay. That's okay. Sorry, Juan is up next. Juan is. Uh, I think he's dressed as a pirate or something like that. Yar. Yep. Uh, and he's like, that. this one is like true life. You think that was scary? I'm about to show you something that's very scary, except not at all. Like, I, like, even I, like how that's, I like how that's the speech that like each of them give. Like after, the, after each movie ends, the next person goes, oh, you think that's scary, bruv? This one's even more scary. And this one's based on a true story. Yeah, they all say it's like, <laughs> this one's really real. This one is so real. Not like that last one about the woman. That last one. Got her oh, head cut off. <laughs> what, what nonsense that last one was. This one's really real, bruv. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of what this interplay sounds like, we have a little bit of, uh, uh, of, uh, of, of a sound clip, which yeah. explains it. Yeah, good luck hearing any of this. Yeah, by the way, this gives you an idea of the audio quality as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Especially, especially you, piss pants. <laughs> yeah, pretty awful. Yeah, and especially there's a you, lot piss of piss pants. Yeah, piss pants. That's right. <laughs> so, story number two is called Wolf Cry. Yeah, I don't. Why? Uh, don't you know? Do I? No. I was gonna I, say. Uh, it actually is interesting that Juan, who introduces the uh, the story, he also plays the lead role in this of Zach, who is a just kind of a uh, troubled kid who he loves horror movies, has a strong imagination. He does a little voiceover at the beginning talking about how he has a strong imagination. Uh, he comes up with crazy stories about these women who like want to get their limbs cut off, but instead they get their heads cut off. Yeah, right. <laughs> I had um, 
I had uh, posted on Facebook uh, saying something to the effect of, you know, you have a problem when the best part of your movie is the opening is the third opening credits sequence. This, <laughs> this, this was the opening credits or when, when the best thing about your movie is the third opening se- uh, credit sequence. This is the credit sequence I was talking about. I actually really enjoyed the credits on this one. So like after the last one, which was just stupid and this one comes in, I'm like, Oh, that's not, that's actually kind of neat. You know, like I look, I was watching it as like an editor instead of like, as like a, you know, like a film fan. So it was kind of fun to watch the credits on this one, but it's still, I like this. Like I said, it's still the third opening credit sequence. (laughs) Uh, And by the way, this movie is only 74 minutes long. Uh, And probably right now we're probably at the 20 minute mark already on our third fucking sequence. Um, this, by the way, is not really a horror short at all. It's really a coming-of-age or uh, inspirational tale about a young filmmaker or young potential filmmaker who doesn't want to give up his dream. He has his mother or aunt or someone who is giving him a lot of pressure to like go out and get a job, but he has a lot of imagination. Yeah. Uh, it was very hard to be sympathetic with the Zach character in this case because he's, he doesn't demonstrate his imagination. He's a shiftless layabout. He is a shiftless layabout. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I interview and, and you talk to directors all the time. All the no time. budget, low budget directors, guys who are trying to get out there. Guys, all of them, they, they haven't given up their dreams. Right. They're doing it. But they also recognize how much hard fucking work you have to put into it. Zach, in this case, is not shown to be doing any work at all. I, I got to tell you. Yeah, exactly. Every time I've spoken with, with a low budget director, I mean, those guys are always busting their ass they're always putting in the extra hours they're always like funding or or looking for locations or trying to find you know cast or whatever this kid he's sitting around like daydreaming watching television you know pretending that his mom is some demon as he looks at her through a fucking super eight camera you know it's all she really is asking i mean she does look very overburdened and overworked right and all she's asking is for him to help out for help that's all she's asking and the problem is that literally literally at the end of the day this this plays a lot less like you know like a like a director coming of age sort of thing uh, and more of a lazy fucking child, you know, who's, who's not helping out his family. So, I mean, like, I don't know what he was going for, but that's what I came off with it. Like by the end of this, I hated Zach. I hated yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, now we also get quick flashes to an experience that Zach has had with his, with, I guess his father on his deathbed, right? Where he keeps saying like, you're the man of the house now. Right. right. Uh, never like I don't know what he's really trying to say at the end. It's like he's something about like believing in what he sees or something like you that. Just don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling, you know. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> Zach's just a small town boy. Exactly. <laughs> Born and raised in Northampton. <laughs> Born and so, raised in South Manchester. So Zach gets badgered uh, into going to a job center, a uh, an employment agency. Yeah. Where he talks now. This, by the way, this segment is supposed to be based on a true incident uh, that uh, Kamal, the director and writer, actually experienced. And this is also I'm, the only good segment of this entire short. So and that's and that and that's pushing it because it ain't that good. So the guy at the job center asks, uh, "What skills do you have?" Well, let's hear it. What skills do you have? Good imagination. I, I don't think that's going to get you anywhere. <laughs> Being like a flippant little prick to someone who's just trying to help you get a job is, I mean, I understand 
that no one wants to be put no one wants to be nailed down. No one wants to do a nine to five office job sure. that's going to sap their creativity, right? right? But this person isn't saying that. I mean, he, at this point, uh, Zach has no relationship with this person at all. Right. He he doesn't know that he's about to tell him he wants to be a filmmaker, and the guy's just going to laugh in his face. <laughs> which which I can't see it playing out exactly like that. But who knows? Some of these guys are probably assholes. But. When someone asks you what skills you have and you say a good imagination yeah, and you you're, say it, Yeah, you're being the prick. <laughs> you're the one being the prick. Right. The guy's got to ask you what skills you have because he's trying to get you something that suits the skills that you have. Right, exactly. You know? I mean I mean like like you know, like I had to I had to do one of these recently because obviously like before I got the job that I'm currently working at, I was unemployed for two years. Yeah. You know, and so like I did a couple of these sort of things where they and they ask you, you know, like, well, what are your skills? And like I mean, like I really desperately wanted to well, I'm really good at voiceover work and I you know, and I want to do uh film editing, you know, but they're, they, they don't have they don't have jobs for any of that sort of shit. So it's like I'm like, yeah, well, you know, my last couple of jobs, you know, I did a exterminator work and I did telephone calls. So you know, like I'm, I'm you know I I know Microsoft Office or right. I, I I do some minor HTML, you know, just a little shit that you've done in right, your life. Right. Obviously, as a Zach is a young idiot, and I've run into I used to actually train people in job building skills, and I ran into young idiots all the time, but. In this case, we're supposed to be sympathetic to him, and it's very hard to be. I'm not. So, I wasn't at all. So he pictures, after the guy laughs in his face when he tells him he wants to be a filmmaker, he sees him as a clown. Yeah. This is the part you're saying was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, and, and like, I, like, this was the best um, uh, performance, I, th- I thought, in this entire uh, clip, but it's, it's still shit. <laughs> so... Uh, this is supposed to give the impression that Zach is sort of losing his grip on reality. Uh, sure. We then see him in the shower uh, where he imagines that someone is approaching the shower curtain as in Psycho. But, and he's like, he, he, he pictures, he, he imagines himself getting stabbed again and again. But it's actually just his mom trying to give him some shampoo. Yeah, first off, who, <laughs> who the hell throws open a shower curtain to hand you shampoo? <laughs> and then second off, who like rubs the shampoo in your face, you know, to like hand you shampoo? I mean, I understand where he's coming from and what he's trying to accomplish, but there, I mean, like even my suspension of disbelief is not so high as to, you know, a, a, as to put up with that. I mean, it just, it really did, it's, it did not work on every level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like he's not like, oh, you know, oh, you know, oh, mom, you're what, you know, why are you in the bathroom? You know, no, none of that. He's just like, Ugh. mom, I'm naked. Yeah, I'm yeah. How about, yeah. How about this, mom? My penis is out. Can you leave me alone for five minutes? <laughs> you know. Oh my. Anyway, uh, then he has another kind of fantasy sequence where he's watching a zombie movie in the dark and he sees the the door next to him start shaking. Uh, but it's just his mom again. It's the doors jamming and she was just, she was just pushing on. Yeah, my notes at this point say they've done the exact same bit four times now. <laughs> so uh, he's asked by his mother to go down to the shop and get some fags, uh, which is what she says. Uh, Did you notice the little E.T. homage? In that little zombie section too, where like the oh, where, where like he and the zombie like touch fingers. That I think that's about to, about to happen right oh, now. Oh, okay. Because at that he hadn't been interacting really at at that point. What happens is he goes to the store 
and uh, and he, he again he thinks about his father who's, who's spitting up blood on his deathbed, uh, and then as he's going there, he thinks he sees a zombie crawling out of the ground. And that's when he touches the finger. I don't know if it's meant to be like E.T. or if it's meant to be like Hand of God. I don't touching. know. Yeah, it could be. You uh, know. It is very bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> and we see him running away and this whole sequence looks like it's lit with a flashlight. It's really dark and unpleasant to look at. And then it just ends. And uh, he gets surrounded by zombies in like a super fake right. looking graveyard. And then it's over. It's over. There's, like we don't see him get attacked. He's not ripped apart. No. He doesn't. He doesn't wake up. He doesn't follow his dreams theoretically. It just fucking ends. It just, just cut. Over. It just cuts back to the idiots again, and they're like, "Oh, bro, that was really, that was mental." You know what? I don't think they say bruv as much as you suggest. <laughs> I don't think they say it at all in the entire they do. fucking they, movie. No, they do. They definitely say it a couple of times. I'm just, I'm just playing around at this point. But yeah, it's, but it's, but there, there's like this commonality that like at, at the end of every film, the first thing they they do is all agree that it's the scariest thing they've ever seen. Yeah, you know, like then, like at the end of the first one, at the end of Less Is More, they cut back and I believe it's the girl says, "Oh, that was right gory," and I'm like, "Come <laughs> on, there's nothing gory about that at all." <laughs> well, I mean, maybe a little all, bit at the end, but they, they all sort of agree. It's like, "Oh my gosh, that was so scary." But this one, I'm about to show yeah. you, this is <laughs> really like, scary. They're like, "Oh my god, that was that was really scary." But this one, <laughs> this one's not only scary, but it's true. So this is Lucio's turn to pick a film, and his is called Penance, and it's about a serial killer and a copper, and it's sort of a game of cat and mouse. I thought this was the worst one. I would suggest, Mo, what? that this is the worst one. This is, yeah, this is the worst one. <laughs> this one is fucking horrible. Now, 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 you just heard me talk about how much I hated Zach on the last one, okay? Right. And I and then I call this one the worst one. Yeah, yeah. This one, <laughs> I think the problem with this one is kind of twofold. One is that it's trying to tell a more complex story and fails at it. Right. Uh, B. One, sorry. Miserably it fails miserably. Yeah. Well, I didn't. We didn't need really that. I mean, I think I. I, I needed the modifier. <laughs> uh, the trivia on the IMDb suggests that this has been edited down from a, a longer. Uh, film to make sure that it, uh, it it matches the length of the other shorts in this, and that is a problem uh, because it means it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. But it doesn't. But I have a sneaking suspicion that the uncut version didn't make any fucking sense either. So <laughs> now, one thing that's really important to know: uh, a Oh, there's a couple of things I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say one thing and then say a because that's <laughs> more than one coming. Uh, Penance is. Uh, filmed as a tribute to Giallo films. Mm. Uh, it's about a serial killer who wears black gloves, Baboom, uh, who, who uses a knife. Uh, Kamal, in this case, the director, he plays Officer Argento. So this whole thing is meant to be a tribute to the very stylish uh, horror films from Italy. Uh, and, uh, and, it, uh, and in that sense, the fact that it doesn't make a lot of sense, that could be seen <laughs> Part of that tribute. I, mean, I was going to say that oh, that almost makes it better. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it almost really does. Yeah. Except those movies make up for some of their lack of coherency by being incredibly stylish. Right. Uh, and, and especially when it comes to the, the killing scenes. And this movie 
uh, does not succeed at that. Now I gotta I gotta tell you I don't know if I don't know if if many of the listeners out there know this, but I'm actually not a Jello fan. Like I don't like Jellos like at all. Um, but the I one- believe actually the plural of Jello is jolly. Oh well, I <laughs> well I'm gonna have a jolly good time. Um, oh shut up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, but I don't like them. I'm not a I'm not a fan at all. But at least I can I mean I can appreciate the art behind them. You know, this one is lacking any artistic merit whatsoever. It's just a pile of shit. It it has an interesting sexual. I was gonna say subtext, but it's not. It's right there on the surface. No, it's not sub at all. So just just to give you an idea of what the plot of this is, is there's an officer named Klein. Klein. Oh, is that what uh, his name was? I was trying yeah, to figure I mean, it out. I'm like, is his name Clyde? Is it? Is it? I, I couldn't figure it out. It's Officer Klein. Okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think I don't think it's he's listed on the fucking uh, IMDb page, but anyway, he's into S and M. He's super into it. Yeah. And it starts with. Him and his girlfriend uh, having sex, and I guess he tries to force. Her. They're having like violent S and M sex, you know, the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she try, he tries to force him, her to do something, and then she ends up slapping him. Uh, but here's the thing: then it shows him sitting on the edge of the bed. I did not realize that was him right. for like, like for like a, quite a bit of the movie. So me, me it, too, it, me too. Because <laughs> there's no identifier. We haven't been introduced to him at this point. So it didn't really make any sense. Then we see a woman, a different woman, reading in bed, and there's a black gloved killer outside. Whoa. Uh, that's right. And that killer comes in, and he covers her mouth and pulls out a kitchen knife, and he cuts her dress, and then he stabs her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's, that, that's the point, by the way, that we then get introduced to Officer Klein. And we have uh, the director. Officer Argento comes in and tells him about the killer, and they go to the scene of the crime. The idea is that there's a string of murders going on by this black love killer, and uh, it's in some way connected to this S&M scene that's going on that, that Klein, at least at one point, used to be a part of. I prefer the white glove treatment. By the way, Klein in this movie, he dresses like Eddie Valiant from... Who framed Roger Rabbit? He does. Keys, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie. How am I got no keys for these cuffs? <laughs> Rest in peace, Bob Hot. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's uh, Argento is constantly trying to uh, to to give information, and Klein is always telling him to fuck off and go away. Uh, and I guess part of the reason for that is because we're led to believe that Klein is like there's some sort of relationship between him and the killer. Oh man, there's there's too much plot in this fucking movie. <laughs> so they go to the scene of the crime. Yep. And uh, forensics are not there yet. <laughs> and and Klein says something to Argento like, "How did you get here so quickly?" Which is a good question. Except they did just see each other. Right. So they must have been traveling together, or it, you think they would have? But at least like the reason he says that is there's supposed to be a suggestion that Argento is the killer. I don't mean to spoil anything, but that's what we're supposed to think, right? Right. But why? Uh. What? What? That doesn't make any sense. Because they have a- because the director lacks an idea of pacing. <laughs> I'm sorry to jump right to the end like that, but like that is super fucking confusing because it's it's never established. He's never revealed. Uh, anyway, let's let's just go. <laughs> let's just go. But yeah, let's just this let's yeah, let's just go through this one and be done with it because I, f- I I hate this one so much. So here so here's what 
you know, so they get to the scene of the murder and they're talking and this is the idiocy that I believe it's Argento says. Yes. But this one's different from the last four. It's more calculated. Yeah, it's more calculated. Acting! (laughs) Klein goes into the scene of the crime. He sees sort of like this Japanese wall print. He takes it down and written in blood, it says, I see you, Klein, on it. Not like I-C-U-P, it's like I-C-S-E-E-U, Klein. Oh, is that what it said? (laughs) Yeah. That's how I I knew his name was Klein. Oh, that's so funny. I I saw it as, I saw you kill. Man, I'm really off. There's this really awful line where... uh, Argento says that like he asked her if she had like a boyfriend or something who could have done this, and he goes, "She didn't have a boyfriend or a lover." Does this mean you're taking the case? And Klein goes, "It fucking chose me." <laughs> <laughs> also, it's your job. Right, because, you're a policeman. Because there's a moment like when he's uh, when he's like touching the body for some fucking reason, uh, like disturbing the crime scene. Like, yeah, he's like touching the body, and like there's getting all these flashes, yeah. and like it's and like some of the most obnoxious noises are, are happening. Like every time like he touches the body and he gets a flash, it's like, blah, 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 blah. like oh God, just headaches. So <laughs> a little bit later, uh, we see Klein, he buys a paper uh, and then he's watching a video that the serial killer took in like his office at the police station and a woman comes in and I guess it's the woman from the beginning. Not that it's very easy to know it's these things. It's impossible to tell. Uh, and they have a conversation about uh, about the fact that they love to have in rough sex. And <laughs> she's like talking about her bruises. And he says just a ridiculous line. And we got we to listen here, to here. it. You know you're my angel. And these are my versions <laughs> of love bites. You know you're my angel. Uh, these are my, my versions, versions of, of love bites. So uh, Argento comes in and says that there's a snitch who wants to give some info to... Klein and his name is Julius. And, well, she and, had, she had mentioned something about a quote unquote bondage king who yes. who owned several dungeons, and then he came in and said, "Oh, this is a guy Julius," and she's like, "Oh, that's the guy I was talking about." Right, exactly, because they're all in the scene, I guess, right, except for right. Argento. Uh, so Julius, uh, so Klein goes to see Julius. It's someone he's had a previous relationship with. Uh, he doesn't really tell him very much interesting, except that he had gotten a letter before all the murders started, saying that this was going to happen and actually naming Klein. In particular. Right. Oh, man, this is so fucking dumb what happens now. So <sighs> Klein leaves the sex dungeon, uh, and then we see Julius um, He's uh, like spanking, spanking a girl, yeah. And we see Argento actually go. He's been waiting outside. So he goes into the club, and then uh, and with the, with the guy spanking this girl, and then the next day we discover that they've been found dead. Right. So Klein takes this as an opportunity to... Quit. <laughs> yeah. He just quits. He yeah. just quits the case. <laughs> yep. So we see him again being Eddie Valiant, tossing out his booze, <laughs> putting his gun away. Packs up his office, and he leaves. And then Argento comes in and gets his gun, and that's the end of it. That's the end of that's it. it. That's the end, yeah. That's how it, that's ridiculous. It's like a movie. It was like the first like 10 minutes of a movie or 15 minutes, and then it just... Doesn't fuck it like it just cuts out everything else. Right. There's not even an ending to it. <laughs> and then they come. I mean, this this is the worst. It's so stupid. Uh, yeah, my notes literally at this point say, "Ugh, so dumb." 
Mine says, that's the end, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark. <laughs> by the way, if then it cuts back to the folks watching it because they're so freaked out and scared by it. Yeah. And they decide says, they need more snacks. Lucio says that it's a true story, like Jack the Ripper. What was a true story? <laughs> that he, Lucio, killed a bunch of people when he was a police officer? <laughs> right. Or maybe he didn't, or maybe that's not what the story was. Well, that at was all. the one thing that that was the one thing that kind of surprised me is how none of these guys seem to realize that they were in all of these movies. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, wait, wait, it's all on it. So that's a true story. Why are you still here? <laughs> uh, so, like you said, uh, they realize at this point that they need they to need get snacks. some more sma- snacks, or more accurately, uh, they realize that. This movie will only run 60 minutes if they don't put some <laughs> sort of padding into it. Uh, and Oi, bro, we need padding. Bro, Why don't you go bro. upstairs and check the pantry for some snooks? Let's go up the apples and pears and see if we can wow. get some snacks. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, by the way, the one character Still play we play have... with my strawberry tart. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so, they, this was a really stupid sequence, too, and I'm sorry to keep saying how stupid it is. But they but all are. It's, it's really... So... Isabella goes up to uh, to get some snacks, but she sees something scary at the top of the stairs. Can I state for so, the record that this entire scene makes no fucking sense? Doesn't make any sense. So yeah. Juan comes over, looks up to the top of the stairs, doesn't see anyone, so he doesn't believe her. In fact, he goes, it's not there. And she goes, it was just there. And he goes, well, where is it then? <laughs> you, could, you could look up there. It's fucking, it's stairs. Right. You can move away from the top. Right. Of so the two of them go up. And Lucio goes up. And then Lucio well. goes up with them. They leave. And then, Who's the last George, guy? George? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Your you're... favorite. <laughs> George. So he's, he's talking all over each other. He's starting he's starting to get a little freaked out because it's taking him so long. So he it's goes It's been up like into... 40 seconds. Yeah. And he goes up into the pantry, which is bright blue because, you know, style. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually do really love what happens here, which is that he looks <laughs> he looks around and he's scared by his own reflection. Right. Uh and, and then he has this line, which is my only my my most beloved line in the movie. It's the one good line in the movie. Well, hold on a second. Yeah, here we go. What kind of cunt leaves a mirror in a sink? My fucking fucking So I kept in because uh, because if you remember, Doug can't actually hear these. Um, I kept in the grumbling afterward. He's <laughs> 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 like, what kind know? of cunt leaves a mirror in the sink? You're so he goes back downstairs and they're all and they're all there again and then they say that they've been there the whole time but they haven't yeah and i i don't know like is this supposed to suggest some sort of supernatural thing where he doesn't know exactly what's going on or or are they playing a prank on him well you'll never know because that just took up seven minutes that they needed to take up with something (sighs) what kind of cunt leaves that much padding in the middle of a film (laughs) <laughs> well, you can feel good, Mo, because there's only uh well, there's only really one story left. Yeah, we're we're at the end. Now, now here now here's what I was going to say. This one is actually my favorite in the film. Uh I don't usually go in for the quote-unquote found footage stuff, but uh but I did actually enjoy this one because it had the potential to be a really good story. Don't get me wrong. They fucked it up. They fucked it up royally. <laughs> But, but, but I see the potential there and I could have, you know, I can almost imagine it turning into something good. Like I'm like, I mean, that first, it's sort of, sort of like the way that, that what like that first one too. Like it's, it was an, oh, it was an okay idea that they fucked up. 
you know, same thing with this one, but I just kind of like the way that this one occurred more, especially since this one didn't have opening credits. So that was nice. <laughs> so we're told by George, who is the one presenting this, that he bought a, a VHS tape at like a, uh, a, a, a from out of a car boot, so he right. got it out of a garage sale, uh, and it was it was left by a director who died. Oh no! So this is a this is a true story, bruv. True story. And and by the way, there was a cross with it. For some reason, for protection, for protection from the fucking tape. Yeah, and it's a, it's about some sort of cursed street. So then you're right; it, it doesn't have an opening credits. It just goes right into the tale, which, by the way, stars all of them for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow! I can't believe this happened to us. It's sort of a very, I mean, it, it it's really just a variation on the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, uh, it's it's this. I mean, there's ninety fucking. I mean, well, probably more than that. I mean, there's probably hundreds of fucking found footage films with this exact plot. Yeah. yeah. So the I, the idea is that there's a uh, the the Northampton witch trials occurred at some point mm-hmm. and there's a street in Northampton called Cromwell Street where strange shit happens. People disappear, uh, it goes really quiet sometimes and police are just constantly being called out there. Right. And it's because at some point uh, five witches and a warlock were hung there and now, whenever anyone goes through it at all, they're cursed by them. They get the witch's curse. You would think it like of 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 a. <laughs> you would think a street, which is kind of in the middle of where people are actually traveling on a regular basis. That's a lot of cursing. That's a lot of curses. It's a lot of people getting cursed by it. Yeah, and every time you every time you somebody drives by, they're like, "Oi, bruv, you're cursed." Yeah, that's right. Every time. <laughs> But it it does do what good found footage films do, which is that you know there's a reasonable reason for him to have uh, his video, uh, his 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 cassette recorder. In fact, it is a cassette recorder in this right. case because this takes place in 2005. Uh, out, he's filming everything as they travel there. The problem is, it's almost like like that like Ghost Hunters show yeah. where everything they see freaks them the fuck out. Right. Even though you know if you're walking past a building or driving past a building and you look in a window. And you see like uh, a sheet move past, or or a fucking curtain blow by. You don't just immediately freak out, right? Exactly. <laughs> unless you, unless you are very easily freaked out. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're already kind of in a heightened mood, but but that's the kind of shit that they deal with. They go to this street, and they um, they see what there is maybe a face in the window. Yeah, I they're like, really oh, there might have been a face. I thought I saw a sheet go by. There's some lights in the window, you know. Like, I mean, they see, you know, the general idea. But the problem is, is like, the biggest problem, and this is, of course, the problem with almost all of the films on this, is that it's so dark that, like, you really, like, what they're seeing, you're not really seeing. It's not really getting picked up by the camera, you yeah. know. But then, they do, it- but then they do something pretty, pretty clever. I mean, and does happen in found footage films all the time. But I, but I appreciate the fact that they thought to include it as well as, and they go and they research. Yes. You know? So it cuts. It, they they are, go to the street. They have a spooky experience, right. and then they all run back to their car, and they decide that they're going to go back later. Now, they go to the library and they do some research. They pull out a bunch of old maps. I mean, th- you're right. This this is a kind of interesting sequence. Yeah. In the sense, they're finding out more about it. They're giving some legitimacy right. to uh, to to the tale. But the idea is that one of the characters, uh, Ali, mm. uh, Ali, it, uh, Ali, uh, is acting like an asshole. Right. He's acting kind of weird, but we don't really get a sense that he's doing that. He steals a book from the library. Do we actually see him steal that book? No. 
No, it's really strange. They they just talk about how he's acting strangely, but we don't actually see it. Right, right. So let later, uh, later that evening, I don't know why they spent all goddamn day instead of just heading over there during the day, which would be the best time to right, check this you, out. Right, you'd think. <laughs> so they're all sitting around in, in one of their houses, and they're just chatting. By the way, one of the, there's a woman here, and the woman has a baby, and every time they leave, they bring the baby with them. Can I just state for the record, I hate to be a, an asshole, but man, that baby, that baby was the creepiest thing about this thing. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, like, gen- I don't like, I don't want to talk shit about anybody's baby, but I'm just going to say that, like, I mean, like, as far as casting is concerned, that baby was perfect casting because it was the most terrifying thing about this entire video. It was a scary, weird looking baby. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, babies, it's not because of this particular baby. All babies are pretty weird. <laughs> it's true. Most babies are. So they're sitting in this uh, in this house or apartment, and they get a call from Allie, who's been acting weird. And he, um, I like how you're saying Allie, like you use it, like like it's like short for Allison. It's Ali. I'm pretty sure. Well, okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll I have it written down as Allie, which is why I keep saying that. Uh-huh. Allie. I'm not very good with pronunciation because apparently I'm not. So he's by the way, Ali uh, calls them and says that he's at Cromwell Street. Yeah. And he's, he's speaking in a very monotone voice. He's saying, well, actually, let's hear it. We actually have the clip of what he sounds yeah, like. Yeah, good luck hearing this one. Yeah, right? Is there anyone with him? And I love how we get a little shot of the baby crying there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, so they all decide that they're going to go get him because he did say, come and get me. Yeah, he goes, he goes, you know, like like where I started, it was like, you know, is there somebody with him? And he goes, there's somebody here. Come and get, come me. And get me. Right. Yeah. And the baby and, screams and then. And yeah. so they're about to head out to see him and they see something outside, but we don't see it. Right. Or at least I didn't see it. And that's fine because that's that's actually sort of like a found footage trope in and of itself. Is that absolutely is that is that the camera's pointing at the people and the people see something? That's fine. I don't right. have a problem with that. Or you see something like the edge of the frame where you think you see something. Yeah, right, that sort right, of thing. right. Uh, but they what they all do is sort of run to the car, including the baby. What I don't get is they see something outside, and then they go outside. Like that's the. Yeah. I mean, like how many times in this movie is that going to happen? They go outside and they decide that even though they're having a bizarre, spooky experience at the house, right. they decide they're going to go to the spookier place. Yeah. Like, why <laughs> would I mean, like, that's a situation where I'd be like, uh, yeah, 911, or I'm sorry, it's a 999, I believe, in Britain. Uh, you know, like, hey. Dial 99999. <laughs> you know, can, go get my friend. He's having, <laughs> he's having a weird, you know, fucking witch related issue. So they drive to Cromwell Street. Uh, and they get out of the car and they leave the woman and the baby behind. Uh, and Sandra, I think her name is. Yeah. They they start heading out. They hear some screaming. They see uh, Ali walking towards them. Uh, and then it, it like the camera turns for a second and it turns back and he's gone. Yeah. Uh, and then they hear a bunch of screaming and they run back to the door to the car. Sorry. And the baby is there alone. Right. And that is the end. That and it just ends. And that's fine. Like, cause in a found footage film, that's acceptable. I mean, it's stupid, but it's acceptable. It's, it's acceptable with the framing story, which is the idea that they just found this tape and right. it belonged to a director who was found dead. But uh, it does seem like it's just all set up and no, you know, it's it's uh, all sizzle, no steak. Exactly. Uh, but you're right. that In that sense, 
that's okay because there is a kind of a creepy atmosphere to it because it's just a bunch of people who are panicked right. and that works and that right? works and, yeah and, and that and also it, explains why it looks shitty because yeah. <laughs> right i mean it's got an excuse yeah it, it, yeah it, it, and that's the only reason why i like that one the best is because that one has excuses for all of the shittiness to it and <laughs> and that's the only reason why it works the rest of them were just shitty by the way the, re- the fact that found footage movies have excuses built in for being shitty is the reason why found footage movies are so popular. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, I get that. You know, I mean, and which is actually the reason why I've fallen off, you know, fallen out with found footage films, because like it takes a lot to do them right. And so far, I think of the dozens of them that I've seen, I've seen maybe three that have done it like proper I find, and I know, and I think you mentioned at the beginning of, of this section that you don't really, I mean, that, that you sort of like found footage movies in terms of a genre, at least when they're well done, right? And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, when, even though, obviously, it got overdone, if you see many of them, the oh, best yeah. ones are still really effective horror movies. Right, because, exactly. Because, you know, it relies so much on POV and sounds. And, right. you know, when they're well done, I find them very, very effective. And I still love, actually, the Blair Witch Project. Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, you, but you look at, I mean, you look at ones like, even like Troll Hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still, I mean, it's a fantastic movie. The story is interesting. It doesn't feel pushed. And you're, and like, the problem with a lot of found footage films is that there's a lot of waiting around for shit to happen mm-hmm. and that gets annoying. And like, I like the idea that this one's sort of like, I mean, like it's still found footage, but it's sort of edited into, you know, like sort of a cohesive story. Um, and I think another one that I really liked that I think did it kind of right was the Poughkeepsie tapes. Have you seen that right. one? Right. Yeah, I have. Actually. Yeah. You know, and I, and I found that like the combination of sort of like pseudo documentary and, you know, found footage really works well together. So I liked that idea too. So, so like, but like getting back to this though, um, you know, like, like even as it stands, like of all of the short films, this is the only one I'd actually be interested in seeing more of you know i'd be interested in seeing like where else it goes but yeah. uh but i'm but at the same time given how bad the rest of this movie is i was really happy when it ended because <laughs> i'm like great we're almost done with this fucking movie <laughs> so uh, george of course is convinced after it's over that that the tape we just saw was absolute reality right uh, he doesn't know what happened to the baby but the director died and everyone else vanished yeah uh, and then it's the final person's turn Isabella, but Isabella does not have a film. Right. She doesn't have a DVD. She has an actual story. Right. She said she. It's of a man called Slender Man. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon, Mo. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, of course, she she introduces it with, you know how that all that shit looked real. This well, this one is, is real. real. This one is real. Jesus Christ. And she tells a story about how there's a serial killer on the loose, which they all should already know already. Because right. if I was in a neighborhood where a serial killer was on the loose, I'd know about it. Right. Um, every year, apparently, there's a legend that there's a serial killer that goes around on Halloween and he prowls for people who celebrate Halloween. She's like, that's why I don't hang any. <laughs> that's why I don't put pumpkins out or hang. Like, Come on. Yeah. He. So this this is a serial killer that comes out every year during Halloween. And I like which how she ma- she makes a point that like to point out that like unlike you, who's always has all these decorations out. <laughs> I. By the way, that's not. That's not protection if you go to the house of the person who has all <laughs> right. that shit up on Halloween. She should have been like, look, it's Halloween. You know, there's a killer out. Come to my house. <laughs> 
she says that uh, that he creeps around looking for victims to snuff, and he trips the power so that everything goes black. But what happens, Mo? Everything goes black. Movie cuts to black, and that's at we hear end. a scream, and then credits roll, basically. So. Remember at the beginning of this episode when I said how all the endings were terrible? They're all terrible, including the ending of the movie, which right, is Right, yeah, they're all fucking terrible. Oh, it's just, it's just pitiful. Like, much has been made about the idea that, that ending on a strong note is super important, but it really does make, especially when you're talking about short films, right. which that's why so many short films are based around twists, right? That's why Twilight Zone, uh, those episodes are all based around twists and Night Gallery and yeah. Monsters and Tales from the Dark Side, because you got to hit that ending. But these movies all just pitter at out. I mean, Penance has got no ending at all. At all. Uh, and I got like I really did get angry at that because it really felt like a waste of time because it felt like it 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 was trying to lay this groundwork of this. I mean, can you believe the cop just gave up? Yeah. That was the ending. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, well, no, no I mean, well, Penance at least has an ending. The cop give gives up the end. You know, no, you're thinking of the fucking one with Zach, where it literally has no ending. <laughs> and, and isn't even meant to be scary. And is, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, and even the first one, even less is more, doesn't really have an ending. I mean, yeah, fine, he kills her, the end. But I mean, it's still such a terrible way to end a, a short film. What I mean about Penance not having an ending is that all the setup, none of that. All right, there was all yeah, there was a ton of setup, and then it just fucking fizzles to nothing. No, I get that. <laughs> at the very least everything about this movie is unsatisfying it is it is literally uh masturbation without ejaculation right and, and you know and i'm i'm okay with edging but i mean i i don't want to i don't want that in my in my cinematic experience the, yeah exactly i want to finish yeah you you don't want to gleam the cube when it comes to uh <laughs> comes to watching horror movies Nice. This, this is this is the tantric sex of horror movies right here. Where you just keep going and going, except you, not even at the ending do you get any satisfaction. Right, exactly. So I mean, man, now I know what Sting feels like. What does he feel like? Well, now how, how he fe- how he feels, I should say. How does he feel? <laughs> Disappointed. <laughs> uh, well, um, this movie. Tales of the Dead. Sorry, I was trying to make some transition into some sort of Sting song, but all I could think of was Field of Gold. (laughs) What a weird thing to pop right into. All right. I'll take it. Um, Every move you make, I'll be watching you. Wow. Yeah, every short. But I won't be watching Tales of the Dead. Every short film you make, I will not be watching you. Uh, I feel like we should say something nice about this movie because we did slag it off uh, for the past uh, hour it, and a half or so. I did. It, I said I said everything nice I could say about it. I are. I mean, like what I liked about it. I mean, I was open and honest about. You know, I mean, like it's it's the like the way I figure it. It's it's at the very least I owe the director is to be honest about what I felt about the film. You know, and and whereas. Most of the movie I did not like. I mean, there was a couple of moments that I really did, and I mentioned them, and that's the best I can say about the film. I, I, that is fair enough. Yeah. I, I think that there's a lot of good material in Less Is More. There's uh, a lot but- of potential. Let's let's yes. let's go there. There's a lot of potential in in all this, and I'd actually like to see him see the director take a lot of this of these ideas and a lot of this potential and expand it out maybe you know get a couple of other people to come in and help with you know and maybe like punch up 
the writing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's where, that's where it really falls down. I mean, there's also some technical issues, which we didn't really get into. Right. The sound is obviously really bad. On, right. Uh, but I mean, but especially that's just, in the but that's, inter- just, that's equipment stuff. There's not, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do about that except for maybe like rent better equipment. But I mean, well, they, they obviously could do something because some of the shorts had better that's true. I mean, audio than others. Right. That's, that's it, true. It, and it's really just the inter, uh, inter, uh, the, the framing story segments, which are particularly bad with that. Yeah, but because, also that also because of the bad the accents. I was going to say bad accents, but they're <laughs> really not, just accents. Not bad accents, just accents. <laughs> you know, there are no bad accents, just bad people who have bad accents. <laughs> nice. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so there are technical issues, but the filmmaking itself, uh, in terms of the well, editing, there the editing, the editing's pretty rough. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I'll I'll say this: I I don't have I didn't have any particular issue with the direction. I thought that the films, you know, were were made well enough. It's just there. I mean, there are issues. Like it's it's it. God, and like how do how do you critique it without sounding insulting? Like I, I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm trying to be encouraging. You know what I mean? Like I like I didn't like this movie, but that doesn't mean that you should stop. It just means you should do better. <laughs> you know. If that makes so you're sense. saying do better, do better. Yeah, it's that's I mean, that's my well, that's my advice to any filmmaker. It's, you know, do do the best, you know, don't do the best that you you can. I and, should mention that. the Oh, sorry. I was going to say, and, and if you can't do good, then don't do it all. <laughs> or do <laughs> just just try. Man. No, try. That's the important. everyone's allowed to try to get better. But if you do release your attempt, then it is very fair of us to then critique those. That's attempts. true. That's true. Uh, the we we are told in the closing credits that the uh, condition in less is more is called uh, BIID body integrity identity disorder, mm. which is a psychological disorder wherein sufferers feel they would be happier living as an amputee. Again, that is the basis for something that could be so interesting, right? Like a full length movie you could you could base around that idea, Absolutely. especially when you when you you know you you treat it with a lot of sympathy and you treat it with how it affects people, the relationships that you have like they sure. do here. So yeah. So I was really bummed that it all kind of fizzled away to nothing. Yep. So there was an attempt there at least. And I, yeah. I do give points for trying <laughs> tales of the dead available to watch for free on the chemical burn YouTube channel. Should they do it? No. I hope they've already done it if they're going to be listening to this episode. Yeah. Well, and I'm, if you have, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you know who I feel really bad for is Rue because I don't think he had any idea what he was getting into when you know when he signed up for this project. I mean, I think he had an idea, but you know, I thought he was. I thought he thought it was going to be all like you know, it was all going to be like Las Vegas bloodbath and uh, you know, and like the fun movies, and then and then we give him this to watch. Uh, Rue messaged me on Facebook today to say that he was almost finished the song for this episode, and uh, and I apologize profusely. (laughs) (laughs) We want to give you more to work with when it comes to writing a song, but one way or another, he's got to write a song about it, and he did. He wrote a song about this movie. Right. You know, so 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 we've so we've given we've given all the good news that we can. Now I think it's time to pull the band aid and and give the bad news that this is probably the worst movie we've ever watched. I don't agree. I I for me, I think this is sub hip hop logos. I had a much harder time watching. I mean, it took me forever to watch hip hop logos, but that was because I was grabbing audio clips 
while we were doing it. And because this, because of the technology where we were using back then was so much different. Sure. Um, so it didn't take me as long to watch, to watch this, but I, 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 I have to tell you, I had, I had a really hard time getting through this one, you know, like a really hard time. I think that you may be looking back on hip hop locos with some, measure of what roast rose glasses, rose glasses. <laughs> all right so so okay so, so okay so how about this how about this then then why don't you tell me where you think this this lands okay uh that's a, i mean it's an excellent question i will yeah. first tell you just to remind you mo that there's only two things that happen in the entirety of hip-hop locos. that is true a guy gets yeah. a sampler stolen and a guy gets choked, and that's all that happens that in the is... entire fucking movie. The rest of it is just black and white footage of people looking at the camera. <laughs> that is true. That right? Is, that is, that true. is a bad movie. Yeah. That is that is still my that's my mark of what is a awful movie. I would say that this movie, I don't think it's as bad as Hip Hop Locos. I don't think it's as bad as Nightmare Asylum, which I think is a very bad movie. Yeah, but but remember, I didn't. I but I didn't have a problem with Nightmare Asylum. I think you have a problem in general. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, we started off with some bad ones. I mean, the Summer of the Massacre is probably. I think we're in that realm. Yeah. Uh, of 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 level of incompetence. Remember how much we disliked Gorno as well, but I think that's that's bad for a different reason. Yeah. That's, that was that was more kind of unpleasant. That's, uh, you know, you you make you make a damn good point here cuz now that I'm thinking about it, I I you know, at, at thinking about it compared to like Scarlet Fry's Junk Food Horror Fest, I didn't like that more than this. So yeah, so maybe so, okay, so maybe so, but it's definitely top five for me. Then it's top. I think yeah. I think it's fair to be putting this in the top five. Yeah. It is a very poor movie that 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 it, it it's made worse by the fact that it had the potential and it had the resources to be better than it is. Right, right. And, w- and when people squander that, that makes me feel bad because I know a lot of very talented people who who haven't squandered their resources and they're in a very similar type of situation as the makers of this film. Mm. Hip Hop Logos is a fucking awful. Movie. Yeah, you know you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Hip Hip Hop Logos is still the uh, the the shit standard for, for us. Then <laughs> don't oh, make man. me hold you down and force you to watch it once again. I know. I I almost might have to just to remind myself how bad it is. Because because well, I, I we are start... coming up by the way on our fiftieth episode. It is happening soon. <laughs> this is forty eight right now. Wow. I know. <laughs> it's funny that we didn't mention science crazed in any of that talk just then because that is a, that's a different category. <laughs> no, science crazed is its own thing. Yeah. You know, I mean science crazed is a bad movie, but it's just such an enjoyable sort of like lovable monster, <laughs> you know? Like this is just painful. Yeah. It's it I wouldn't this is one that I'm unlikely to revisit, which is a strange thing to say because some of those other movies we did talk about I've watched multiple times already. Right. Watch it if you want to see what bad is. Yeah, that's that's actually a good point. Like, if you want to be introduced to bad, this is probably a good one. Yeah, because it, it it eases you in there, uh, <laughs> and it's frustrating. <laughs> so you can you can feel our pain to some extent. It's it's uh, like virgin butt sex with lube. Hmm. As opposed to hip hop locos, which would be raw. Please tell me more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's raw dog. <laughs> that is some serious raw dog action right there. Changing the topic slightly, Mo, Please. we've chosen what our next film is going to be, and we've decided to uh, take a step up. We're going to step up to the street. Absolutely. 
Uh, we Did you decided seriously just say step up to the streets? Oh, what I meant to say was step up 3D. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> whatever, so whatever step- honey. Oh. See what I did I, there? That's right. Honey 2. There's a uh, sequel. Yeah. We've decided to go back into the playbook. Yeah. Yeah, we've decided to flip back the pages. In fact, we've decided to revisit one of our favorite directors. If not our favorite director. Certainly the director that is most closely identified with this show. And certainly the guy who we would consider the godfather of no budget. Mm-hmm. That man, of course, is Mr. Todd Sheets. Hell yeah. So it's time, once again, to look at the, the oeuvre of Todd Sheets. <laughs> And experience one of his films once again. We've already covered. Let's let's count them down. We we've covered Nightmare Asylum. Yep. We've covered uh, Zombie Rampage. Yes, we did. Uh, we've covered Goblin. Yes, we did. What's next for us? Well, obviously, the next one would be Zombie Bloodbath. We on the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares uh, podcast will be covering Zombie Bloodbath, <laughs> directed by Todd Sheets. The first of the Zombie Bloodbath trilogy. This is from 1993. That's exciting. This is exciting. See, Zombie Bloodbath is actually just on the tail end of the uh, of the films that uh, Todd Sheets doesn't acknowledge anymore. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, f- I feel like there's like a cutoff point. He said where... 96. He said 96. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this is 93, but but the trilogy actually goes past that point because Zombie Bloodbath 3 right. was made in 2000. Oh, so. you know what? No, I think he said anything before 96 except Zombie Bloodbath. So I think he actually <laughs> does acknowledge the Zombie Bloodbath films. Then we're looking at one of the, the most notable modern yes. of, of Todd Sheets films. Nice. So this, I am expecting and uh, predicting great things in this episode. So everyone, get your special editions of Zombie Bloodbath ready because we're going to cover it on the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast. That is exciting. I agree. Mo, what's the best way for people to uh, catch up with us on the uh, various social networks? Well, I mean, if they want to have a good time like all the kids do, they can cop onto uh, the old Facebook there. I'm here for a good time. Yeah, I mean, for a good time call. <laughs> Not a long time. Doug Tilly. Um, yeah, pop on over to Facebook. Give us a look up. We're at No Budget Nightmares. Just look up. Yeah, look us up. Give us a look up. Give us a look up. That's something that people say. Yeah, yeah we're at No Budget Nightmares. Uh, you can look for us on, on Facebook, yes. Facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares, all one word. Boom. Ba-boom. You can also find both of us on the Twitter. Mo is at DrunkOnVHS, all one word. Yep. And I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Doug is on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Uh, yes, you can find our various postings there. Uh, we will be always discussing uh, low-budget cinema on both of those locations. Uh, you can also find my writing over at DailyGrindHouse.com, and you can find Mo's other podcast, <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. All right, so <laughs> so for right now, I can't tell you where to find it. Just, I mean, it's mm. it, uh, it'll still be live on uh, on the internet uh, Wednesday nights at nine. But just uh, keep an eye out on uh, on the Drunk on VHS Facebook page to uh, to get have an idea of uh, of where to listen to it because for right now, it's kind of homeless. Um, but that won't be the case for much longer. 
It's just weird timing. In fact, it probably won't be the case by the time this airs, but I just don't have any information right now. So keep an eye on the Facebook page. Hell, I'll even post it on the uh, the No Budget Nightmares page. Yeah, let the people know. Let I'll, the man march. I'll give the people what they want. Give them what they want, what they really, really want. Jesus Christ. Zig zig ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and with that, I think that's all there is to say. Mo, have you seen any good movies lately? Um, that's a good question. Is it? No, not really. I'm just vamping for a second so I can get up. I, I've definitely seen the bad movies lately. Well, have you seen a movie lately? I suppose I should say. I saw the new Godzilla. What did you think? Loved it. Good. I really did. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, you know, I've been reading a lot of reviews, and I've heard I've heard a lot of people thrown around phrases like "too serious" or like "mediocre," and I'm like, "You people are morons. You have no idea what you're talking about." You know, first off, there is nothing serious about the new fucking Godzilla movie if you're looking at it from the right angle. Um, every sentence that Ken Watanabe says is laughable at best. They're all hilarious. You know, every single fucking thing he says from the very first time he says, Gojira, you know, (laughs) like you, you, you're just, I'm, I was laughing. And like, if you look at it, you know, and even like the design of the new Godzilla looks like a guy in a suit, you know, I mean, like I, I thought that was fantastic. That was my favorite part of the whole thing. I'm like, it looks like a guy in a suit. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. A tubby American guy in a suit. Yeah. It looks like a, yeah, it does. It looks like a fat American dude with no neck in a suit, you know? And, and and I was it was awesome, you know. I mean, yeah, people complain, oh, there wasn't enough Godzilla in the movie. But if you think back to the first Godzilla, he's only in the movie for twenty minutes, you know. So I mean, so what? Who cares? Did it do its so job? Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Did it do its job? Yes. Did it leave? Did it? Did it end with me feeling like it? Like it took more from like the campy sixties and seventies Godzillas than the like the early more slightly more serious ones. Um, then yes, I did. I felt, I really did. Uh, you know, like he's destroying cities and he's, he's, you know, killing monsters. It's great. I loved it. I saw it twice in 3d and, uh, I, I liked it very much. I, I mean, I have my issues with it just like everybody else. No, even uh, I have issues with it, but I still thought it was a way better film than I think a lot of people are giving it credit for. Yeah. And I'm glad to see it was a success because I, it seems like the kind of movie where a follow-up can be even better. Absolutely. Uh, and let's, let's hope we do see that. It's interesting that I have paired it. And when I say pair, I mean I've uh, accompanied my viewing of Godzilla. I watched uh, for a different podcast. Um, I watched the American cuts of the original Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Mm. The American cut of Godzilla 1985, where they bring back Raymond Burr yeah, yeah. And, and lots of Dr. Pepper product placement. <laughs> and I've watched the 1998 Godzilla. I'm so sorry. The, the idea is that they get the complete American perspective on what Godzilla is sure. uh, leading up to the new movie. And I thought it was kind of interesting. But I'll tell you what. All the new Godzilla had to be was not as bad as the 1998 one. That's true. And that is a super low fucking bar because that movie is Horrible. Amazingly bad. And it watching it now in particular, all it does is make you think that the people who made it hated Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> they fucking didn't like it at all. They hated the property. Right. Uh, and even in the interviews with, with Roland Emmerich where he's talking about, he's like, I wanted to take like the concept, but pretend that there's no movies that have been made and like build it up from scratch. So I just made like dinosaurs attacking New York. It's Idiotic. really bad. Yeah. So, so don't, re- s- don't, 
Don't revisit that unless you want to get angry. And I, I remember seeing that in theater back yeah, then. Yeah, I, the the, I saw it in the theaters too. I was super excited because I'm like, oh my God, because I was, I you know, it's kind of funny how that sort of happened, like right at the height of like a Godzilla phase that I was going through, sure. you know, and like, I hadn't heard anything about it. I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I didn't know anything about the movie. Cause I, I was really a little pretentious at the time. I wasn't really like watching. What? I wasn't like watching trailers or anything like that, you know? <laughs> so, so like I, so I kind of went into it, not knowing anything about it, but, uh, but I had just finished about like, you know, like a month or two sort of, uh, you know, obsession with, kaiju films and i'd watched a bunch of gamera films and a bunch you know i I went through i went through the whole the whole uh shebang so to speak and uh yeah man, i love those shebang movies (laughs) yeah funny Uh, no i I hear you it's terrible just so fucking terrible i was so like angry i think i think that is kind of the final word on the new godzilla which is that if you were watching uh any really any era of godzilla movie up to it you can see how there's a continuity into the new one and and you couldn't see that at all in the 1998 one it felt like it was intentionally trying to alienate the people who like the property while the new one feels like it's trying to embrace and expand it a little bit uh and so i was really happy with that uh it also in uh, for the first time in a very long time it's a movie that has a lot of destruction that feels like it earns it i think i was reading a review recently or maybe i saw a video of it and what they said was uh how you know you have a godzilla movie that has somehow has less destruction than a Superman movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from last year. Uh, and, and, it, and in this case, it feels like you end the movie feeling like this character is one that you want to see more of yeah. and that he is someone that is in, like it's, it's an interesting thing to follow. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking about Godzilla, not the human characters. Uh, no, no, the human. No, I did That that was my biggest complaint with the movie is that there was just a little bit too much of those human characters. Now, I mean, I was okay with the amount of Godzilla there was, but I just yeah. did, didn't like the the human characters at all. Like yeah. they were just all like, come on, there's one one guy out there pulling off all this shit and being you know, and yet for some reason he breaks a small piece of glass near this giant fucking monster and it fucking hears him. <laughs> I mean, I, I think about it. Like uh, Christine put it best when she said, that's like the idea of like an ant breaking a piece of glass and us locking eyes with it. It's also, I mean, I don't want to belabor the point here, yeah. but the 1998 Godzilla... <laughs> It changes sizes like between scenes because like they're constantly losing it. Yeah. Can you imagine the Godzilla in this Godzilla movie that anyone losing it? He is <laughs> larger than the biggest skyscrapers <laughs> that he's walking past. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, there's Nobody... a real scope that I really appreciated. Yeah. Uh, and yes, yeah, so that's a movie that we've both seen. Uh, and I also uh, recently saw the movie Short Term 12, the, the dramatic film starring Brie Larson from last year and that is very very good and it's on Netflix in both Canada and the US so you should definitely check that out yep yep I also have seen uh, Johnny Dickey's latest film City of the Dream Demons uh, which uh, you should be looking out for an interview with Johnny uh, with the review of that movie coming soon to Daily Grindhouse might already be up by the time this episode drops I watched the new X-Men movie too but I don't want to get into it but I didn't like that nearly as much uh, yeah, this is no budget nightmares, by the way, where we talk about the biggest fucking blockbusters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the movies that cost two hundred fucking million dollars. <laughs> yeah, basically. Join us on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares for Todd Sheets Zombie Bloodbath. Now, 
listen to Rue's song about a much less interesting movie. God, I'm so sorry, Rue. <laughs> Please keep making songs. Please. Let's sit around the hookah cause we have some yarns to tell. It's all Hallow's Eve, so let's raise a little hell. I'll show you mine if you show me yours, there's scary times ahead. It's time to spend an evening watching tales of the dead. I'm feeling far too empty. The way to feel more complete is to remove a limb now. Some fingers, hands, or my feet. These digits do depress me. My members make me feel sad. So please just hack them off now. Hack them off now. Hack them off. I see a monster in the mirror. Can't figure out how I can make myself clearer. So screw off with the rules now, I don't care about the board. It's time to slice and dice me, I believe that less is more. I know you need me to help you out. This house can't stand if I laze about. He's gone. My dreams, my needs won't just go away I can't fill the hole with a job or pay He's gone, he left, and now I decay You tell me monsters don't exist But what I see I can't deny I know what I've seen and I can't resist years three witches had a town in fear their lives were ended here but not before some people over here a curse upon this street that torments all who lay their feet their scorn won't be complete due to the judgment and deceit take me home I am done Walking Cromwell Street I'm alone, they have one 
walking Cromwell Street. Take me home, I am done. Walking Cromwell Street, I'm alone, they have one. Walking Cromwell Street. So four of us have shared our stories, one is left to hear. And then we can collect the new ones to celebrate next year. So long as we aren't snuffed out by the killer on the loose. The one who cuts the power before stringing up the news.